You're listening to the Simple Growth Podcast, the show that helps business owners get their life back. Here's your host, Mike Callahan. Hey, welcome back to the SA Weekly Talk Show. Mike Callahan here with Dylan Rothenberg out of Sudbury, Ontario. Uh, Dylan has just been making some crazy waves in the SA community as well as on his local market, Sudbury, Ontario. Um, definitely a hustler from what I know about Dylan. He likes to get things done. Um, he's coming out and breaking out with a new product offering, which is basically robotic lawn mowing. Uh, probably one of the first guys in Ontario or maybe the whole uh, continental U.S. and Canada. So, um, Dylan, pleasure to have you on here. So we're going to be talking about automated lawn mowers, pros and cons, how we set that up, and um, tractor-mounted snow blowing. So snow removal for residential homes with uh, snow blowers basically tacked on the back of the tractor. So we're going to get in that later in the conversation. But um, Dylan, if people haven't heard of you, don't know who you are, uh, if you don't mind just giving us a little background on yourself, how you cut your teeth in the lawn care, snow removal. Uh, from my recollection, you uh, started Maxim Lawn Care in about 2011 and started out your new roll-up of Robo Lawns in 2018. So uh, floor is yours, brother. Let, let us know how you got into it and a little background. Perfect. Sounds good, man. So yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, like you said, pretty much started in 2011, uh, just with a buddy and a single lawnmower in the back of a rickety wooden trailer. And uh, it's pretty much grown from there. Uh, we service, the, the summer side of things actually isn't too huge. We service a couple hundred, uh, several hundred residential accounts, uh, you know, maybe 50 commercial accounts. And in the uh, fall of 2017, actually, was when I kind of really wanted to take the jump, test out the waters of the robotic lawn mowing section of things. So I installed my first one actually at my parents' house uh, and we kind of were able to take some promotional videos and just kind of see the ins and outs. You know, you've seen them, you've seen the videos, but it's a whole different story once you actually have them running and see all the issues that can come with it. And uh, it was pretty successful in the fall. We were pretty satisfied with it. So in 2018, we started to make the jump, rolled out a, a kind of a, a sub company, so to speak, to uh, help market it and stuff like that. Um, and 2018, we rolled it out and first season, tons of hiccups, but uh, we ended up having about a dozen of them out. And we also partnered with the local Husqvarna dealer and were able to install about a dozen for him as well, obviously. Um, he subcontracted us to do that, uh, but we're his go-to source for the installations, and uh, that's about it. We're we're definitely hopeful for the next year. It's obviously still kind of a, a growing market. Not too too many people have heard of it, but yeah, we're really excited about it. Awesome. No, I appreciate the background on that. So I guess um, you kind of hit on it, but I, I guess the first question that to myself and many people probably know want to know is why robo lawns or the automated mowing that you're doing um, was it. Was it an equipment issue? Was it a labor issue? Was it a shift in technology? What was the main driving force to kind of look into um, that? Or was it see all the above? Yeah, it was definitely a combination of those points. So in Ontario anyways, um, there was definitely like a major, this wasn't my sole reason for doing it, but there was a major, major um, price increase for the minimum wage. So it actually went from $11 to $14 like overnight essentially. So major, major increase, like that's obviously at the back of my mind, but not like the number one reason why I did this, of course. Um, the the number one reason was, was pretty much seeing companies like Robin, stuff like that, starting to implement it. I've heard of them, 
Um, I was just interested in it and I thought it would be a, a good selling feature. Um, lots of benefits to it, obviously, right? So I just figured it'd be a good complimentary service to offer alongside the regular lawn mowing and stuff like that. Okay, um, and, and I guess kind of diving into that, um, was that market well received being first to market? Do you have to go out and educate the potential consumer uh, about the service, what was included, what was included? I think that seems to be the biggest question on everybody's mind is, um, oh, do people actually want the service? Do they understand it? Or, or is there a bit of a learning curve on the consumer end? People definitely want the service. I, I think the people that were really go-getters about it were uh, unfortunately kind of the residential people that were looking at it themselves anyways and wouldn't be the type of customer that hires a company to do their lawn care anyway. So those people were kind of um, out of the question. Uh, it definitely was a, a big learning curve trying to uh, educate people you know there's only so many things you can cram into like a little postcard that you're sending out uh, direct mail wise right so we tried to really educate with the videos and the, the benefits like we thought the benefits like definitely outweighed uh, you know like regular lawn care but it was still a major um, hurdle to try to uh, educate people on it and, and really see the benefits when obviously everybody's been used to uh, just regular lawn care for you know decades and decades Okay, awesome. And I know one of the things Dylan, I know about you is you've been utilizing technology to kind of replicate yourself through technology. And I, I know a lot of video and, and the things that I've seen that you've built out um, in automations. Do you feel that, that, that taking those extra steps, not necessarily through automations, but creating marketing copy that addressed the pain points and how that service addressed those commonly asked questions was helpful uh, to actually educate that consumer being first to market? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely super helpful. I mean, like, through service autopilot, we have like automations and, and stuff like that, the follow-up automations, with, which help for sure. Um, I just, uh, I was actually, to be honest, expecting it to, for more people to catch on. I thought it'd be like the, the first mover advantage would be a little bit more than what it actually was. I mean, it was just the first year, but I, I kind of was expecting a, a better feedback. It could have been price point, could have been many other things as well, right? But I was expecting, you know, we were hoping to hit at least like 2025. So it was a little bit of a, of a slow start, but we think it'll kind of come around next year. Uh, but technology wise, I mean, through that or, or through the, the snow removal side of things, I, I think having those videos up there where, um, you know, if you get the call from a customer and they're ready to sign up, obviously it's a completely different uh, ball game than having to educate them and then really explain the service and really do a hard sell compared to, you know, just, just signing them up over the phone, essentially. Awesome. So I guess the next thing I, I want to, I guess, uh, probably people watching want to know is what should you look for when, when getting into the robotic mowing? So uh, first thing is, is basically equipment. Uh, you know, how do you go about that? And the second thing is what kind of labor is required then? Um, and is, is there some different obstacles uh, for like fence gates and different things that these machines may not be able to get around? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so, so we went with Husqvarna. Obviously, there's a tons of, of different robotic lawnmowers out there. There's cheaper ones. Um, Husqvarna, I would say, has positioned themselves as the kind of like the top of the market, essentially. Uh, obviously, that that's nice to go when you don't have a ton of experience in it. You you kind of want to go with the best option that you possibly can with, even if it is a little bit pricier, just like our customers do, right? Um, and uh, like there, there was a ton of uh, research that I essentially had to do, right? Like I had no um, background on any of this. It, it's not rocket science, but luckily our dealer was uh, lucky enough 
uh, and nice enough to uh, invite me and one of my employees down um, south a little bit. And they had a, a dealer conference type thing where they were bringing in all the Husqvarna dealers from all of Ontario. And they were trying to sell them on why they should be selling this uh, robotic lawnmower. So we were able to be part of that for a day and kind of learn the ins and outs of the installation and stuff like that. Um, which which definitely really helped. But yeah, there's a ton of obstacles. So we learned pretty quickly like which properties won't work and uh, essentially any any property that needs two lawnmowers to make it work, we, we weren't able to sell any of those. Um, I mean, the, the ones where you have to pick up the lawnmower to get to another uh, portion of the lawn, uh, the benefits just don't outweigh the cons of having to remember to pick up that lawnmower and put it back in your fencing area so it doesn't get stolen or anything like that. So there, there was a ton of little properties that, you know, we, we tried to make it work, they really wanted it. And we actually had a few um, cancellations throughout the season, just because like the, the robotic lawnmower just wasn't working out. So we were luckily able to just switch them back to regular lawn mowing. But yeah, there's a ton, ton of hurdles when it comes to the installation and the property types for sure. Okay, so if I'm understanding right, if you're looking to get into this, then the first thing you really want to look at is the layout of the lawn. There's probably an ideal client or customer as far as the layout of their, of their lawn. It needs to be continuous, uh, probably no fence gates. Uh, and then I, I think everybody's major assumption is once I automate this lawn mower, there's no labor required. If I'm hearing <laughs> you right, um, the installation process is going to require a physical person to go out and um, is it drop a line almost like an invisible fence where they actually trench in a wire? Is that the appropriate Exactly. Yeah. So it's I guess it's comparable to a in, installing an invisible dog fence for sure. So you actually need a cable laying machine if you're going to do it at any efficiency. Um, and the, the installation isn't incredibly labor intensive, but um, the, the quickest one we've probably done is about 45 minutes. Um, the slowest one we've done on a, on a really big property is probably about half a day. And uh, it's not to say that that's where it ends either, because there's always not always, but there's usually something that, that goes wrong, whether it's uh, a wire comes up and, you know, in the first week the, the mower drives over it and cuts it and you got to go back and splice it and stuff like that. So there, there's uh, there's definitely a lot of issues with that, but um, yeah. Okay. No, great feedback. And I know this is just kind of uh, the cutting edge or bleeding edge right now of our industry. I know yeah. at GIE I talked to, I think it was a Toro rep uh, that came by the service autopilot automations booth. And he was actually talking about how, similar to some of the farm equipment, they're actually looking to um, do GPS points where instead of bearing a cable, you'd actually walk the machine around the property and it would base it on Latin longitude uh, for that. So I know the technology is constantly evolving from my research and I don't know if you've seen any different is this isn't new technology. This has been in Europe for 15, 20 years. I know when I lived in England, probably I'm kind of dating myself, but 12, 13 years ago, uh, maybe even longer than that, these things were running around yards and on hillsides. So it's not a new technology. Husky seemed to be one of the big innovators out in Europe when I was there. Um, so now that we've kind of tackled, like, why would you get into this? What, what are we looking at as far as labor? What's the ideal client? Um, how do you handle the other things? Because from my understanding, at least, when we talked earlier, is the only way this works is uh, the automated mower actually mows the grass continually, whether it's rain or shine. Um, but is there is there extra work to actually have a physical person go out there doing some uh, weed whacking or stick edging or blowing? Is that type of thing done on a regular basis? How did you handle that far as the customer's concerned and actually uh, address that service in that? No, no, that's a good question. So we kind of gave the customers the option. So 
Um, just like, you know, if you gave someone regular lawn mowing, they don't need to get fertilization most of the time anyways. Um, we gave them the option of, do you just want the robotic lawnmower? We'll come, we'll install it. Uh, we'll take it away in the fall. We'll store it for you. Or do you want like the full package, right? So typically people that were getting the full package with the trimming, stuff like that, were obviously also getting other services. Uh, but there definitely was at least a handful of people that, that just strictly wanted the lawn mowing. Uh, they didn't want to have to worry about the installation and, and stuff like that, which we kind of played on, on people's pain points with that um, because we we essentially structured it as we included the installation in the, the yearly price that they pay. Uh, we included like the, the pickup fees, any repairs or anything that needed to happen to the mowers. We haven't had to actually do any repairs yet, but um and we kind of just made like a full service package for them they pay one price we do all that um and, and we definitely had this question a lot where people would be asking well why can't i just go to the dealer and buy it like what's what's really the benefit right and it was definitely interesting being at that dealer's conference to know why uh like the things that they were kind of structuring to to make money on their end because we could kind of play the opposite points of that right so um the, the big thing that people had to really worry about was that if this thing um, does mess up in any way, and I'm not talking about just the uh, mower itself, right? Any of the parts of the installation that messes up, typically the dealer after a certain point does charge you to actually go out and fix that, right? So with us, like a lot of the times it is a quick fix, but we were kind of playing on that kind of fear point that, um, you know, if, if they're charging you a shop rate of hundred bucks an hour or even 75 bucks an hour to go out there and fix it, you know, is paying a couple hundred bucks extra over the long term with us really that big of a deal when we'll come out and fix it for free. You don't need to worry about anything. So a lot of people that were like kind of thinking, you know what, I might just install it myself and, and just do it myself. We were able to kind of sway them a little bit over towards us because they didn't have that fear. Okay, now I love that. And you've taken the risk out of the equation and, and now you've taken a lot of friction in the buying process out. So that that's really, really smart. And then um I guess I guess the big question on everybody's mind is is this new business model of robo lawns versus maxim lawns that's been around in Sudbury for you know now the last seven or eight years uh, is there any cannibalization of the existing client base and if there is uh, what was the thought process and how does that that cannibalization uh, upfront and short term outweigh it in the long term possibilities payout? Yeah, so I definitely heard that before. I forget from who that you know cannibalizing your business isn't the worst thing ever, right? It's actually like a good thing to, to keep your business revitalized. Um, but it, it definitely does happen, right? So uh, we've had about 50% of the customers are like new customers. 50% of the customers are uh, people that were current maximum lawn care customers that we actually converted over, right? So, I mean, our, our thought process was like, they're going to be looking at this in the future eventually anyways. So while they're a customer of ours, let's, Let's get them under our wing, uh, keep them under our wing, and, and service them with what we think is a better option, a, a more innovative option moving forward, rather than potentially lose them two, three years down the line when when they see this uh, more prevalent in the in the marketplace, and and they would just went and installed it themselves anyways, right? So definitely some cannibalization, but uh, we we think it's good anyways for for the time being. You know, we don't want to be that company that. Ten years from now, they're um, they're they're wondering, oh, what what could I have done ten years ago to stay in business, right? I'd, I'd rather stay on the 
the, the cutting edge of it. And if we make a couple of mistakes, we can scale back rather than sit back five years from now saying, oh, I wish I would have been the, that, that company to, to get those robotic lawnmowers, right? So. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. Want a free guide to secrets of simple growth automation? Head over to www.startsimplegrowth.com and click Get Started. We'll deliver our guide to your messenger. Plus, enter to win a free estimator chatbot. Sweet. No, I, I commend you. As we're kind of transitioning into the snow removal part of this and the tractor blowing, man. Uh, I, I just really want to, want to I just commend you from the outside looking in. I know uh, we had some pretty long talks about the potential financial implications and the maintenance and, and how does that all play into the long-term plan. But I, I think, in my opinion, my bet's on where you're going. I know a lot of people are naysayers and they're saying it's not going to work. I know um, uh, Jonathan Toshnik, uh, co-founder of Service Autopilot, I think is definitely on the same page as both of this. Um, I think his envision, his vision of it, I think I, I get behind it a little bit more uh, where it's going for sure. He's uh, he's envisioning a, a truck rolling up and five or six of these mowers kind of scattering out with one guy on an iPad or something like that and getting alerts. When, <laughs> but I think that being on the bleeding edge of it like yourself, if it does go to that point, um, you're going to have that dominant market share and hopefully uh, be able to capitalize on it and be recognized as the expert in robotic mowing. So I, I, I just really love where you're going with it, man. I just want to give you a just a, a uh, you know, a social like pat on the back is huge. Sure. Guys like you are making it happen in this industry. Um, so next thing we're gonna dive into is, is snow blowing. Basically, it's tractor snow blowing. Um, if anybody watching hasn't seen it, basically it is a, a regular uh, tractor with a cab on it, and it's got literally an inverted snow blower on the back where they drop the back and then pull forward, um, driving straight out of the driveway, and it shoots off to the right or left. Um, and a lot of them have a down blade on it where it scrapes it right to the pavement. Uh, I think it's Vanderzine or Vanderzine out of um, uh, Quebec is one of the uh, the forefront and founders of tractor uh, snow blowing. And I saw a couple of videos of, of this gentleman literally having a, it was unbelievable. It was a three ring circus of tractors going in and out of driveways. And it was unbelievable. Um, so Dylan, I'm kind of curious to your take. Uh, how did you go in and decide to go into the tractor blowing? Is that something that's just, predominant in your market or is this another thing that you decide hey uh, you know this guy in Quebec's doing or maybe you did it before him um and you wanted to be the first to market with this and uh if you guys are watching this live or recorded drop your comments or questions below for Dylan or myself we're gonna answer them live um or it, we're gonna keep an eye on the recorded version of this for a few days too so feel free to drop some comments uh while we're going here I want to say what's up to uh George Cortez and uh, Marvin Sausalito longtime watcher so uh Dylan floor is yours man what what was that push into this um Tractor snow blowing in the residential model. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd like to say I was the uh, first mover in this uh, portion of things as well, but definitely was not. So um, we had a, another uh, good competitor of ours locally here. Um, they they started out with a couple of tractors, and uh, we we kind of saw we had gone into the residential plowing, commercial plowing side of things, and and we saw these tractors, and obviously you start doing research stuff like that, and. Uh, we really just thought they were great. Um, so the next year we decided we were gonna um, get some new trucks and alongside it, we we're gonna try to implement one of the tractor snowblowers. So we, we just started off with a small uh, L6060 Kubota hydrostatic, uh, I think an 80 inch inverted snowblower on the back. And uh, with that, uh, you start seeing the flood of customers wanting snowblowing, but not wanting to pay the price that you'd normally charge for hand snow blowing which is like uh, usually a crazy amount 
So they, they started to kind of flood in. The first year, I think we did about uh, 70 customers with, with one tractor, which uh, in some parts isn't crazy, but we, we thought that was pretty good compared to what we could service regularly in a plow. And obviously there's some major advantages to the, the tractor, right? No banks, uh, ideally no damaging of, of interlock. <laughs> and uh, so the, the next year after that, we saw the demand for it and we decided to go all out. We didn't finance or actually purchase any more tractors, but we used a company called Dozer and we were able to secure uh, about three or four um, slightly larger tractors. And so we had about three or four secured and we started doing the marketing and within weeks we had those four tractors absolutely maxed out. So we ordered another two more, which in my mind at the time was absolutely crazy. Um, but those filled out in another two weeks. So then we ordered another two more. We, we ended up the season at eight tractors, seven rented, one owned. And we easily could have sold out if we wanted to three or four more of them. Um, so that was really our clue that, you know, this was where we were supposed to be in the market, essentially. The demand was just crazy. And as the roots became more dense, that's where we were able to actually see a pretty decent margin from it. So that brings us into this year um, where after, you know, having to turn down several hundred customers in the previous year, we wanted to, to plan, but we also had some, some issues with the tractors that we had rented in the previous year. You know, some were unreliable. Um, we weren't sure which tractors we were getting back this year, et cetera. So we decided to, uh, to get some purchase uh, financing options and we were able to secure uh, 10 more of the hydrostatic tractors. So we have uh, 11 now and we're pretty much ready to, to close our doors for, for new customers unless we can secure another tractor or two. So kind of where we stand right now, but it's uh, definitely been the biggest section of growth for our company in the past couple of years, for sure. That, it's just absolutely phenomenal. If you don't mind me asking, if, if you don't mind sharing it, um, what, what, what was the approach to that exponential growth? Um, what were you doing in the, in the past? Was there a change or was it market awareness? Uh, what, what was the process to go out and, and drive that many leads and close that many sales in that short gap of time? It sounds like it was maybe, if I'm guessing, compared to the, my market, maybe August to September, October. So you got a month and a half to two months of, of, of time before the, the snowflakes start falling and uh, all hell breaks loose. So how did you handle that growth and what was the catalyst to be able to, to handle that kind of volume and secure those new sales? No, for sure. I mean, we, we tried to pre-plan to handle the growth, but I mean, it was a major, major jump for us. So uh, there's definitely some, some major hiccups and stepping stones, but, but we got through it. Um, it started, like you said, probably September-ish, late August with uh, postcards. We, we've had some pretty good success with postcards, uh, like every door direct mail. Uh, but of course we're running like, uh, Facebook ads, Google ads. That's, I mean, I, I would hope a, a given at this point for everybody. Uh, and then the postcards alongside those things just really started to bring in the leads. And then, um, obviously we use service autopilot and we started to use a couple other things. I know a couple of years back, you got us on Infusionsoft and that was really when we were able to, to automate the, the follow-up process and stuff like that. And then once we were able to transition from the Infusionsoft um, software to uh, the automations and service autopilot, 
I mean, I, I don't want to say that was the sole reason why, but I mean, our, our closing ratio and just forgetting about leads, like essentially completely stopped after that. So uh, that mixed with heavy, heavy marketing um, and just not forgetting about leads and following up with leads and, you know, the occasional email that would go out just to, um, you know, just in the background, just uh, Lori, especially from Simple Growth. Um, I think there was a single email last fall where we signed up probably 50 or 60 people um, October 31st. Um, so just a combination of all those things really um, helped us kind of blow by the competition and, and really explode that segment of the business. Great. And I, I didn't want to throw that out in and make it so we didn't talk about it ahead of time. But I, uh, I appreciate everything you've done on a side note. And, um, you know, I, I just I think if people are watching this, one of the biggest takeaways that could be is um, even if you're not using a certified advisor like Simple Growth, but investing in automation and creating that sales pipeline is you. And Dylan, and I think part of the thing is just feeding that sales pipeline. Mm -hmm. So going out and hitting those postcards, those emails, the different things, that has been, I think, instrumental for most people using automation to service all the power. Yeah, so I'm getting the feedback here, so I'll, I'm going to let you talk real quick. Um, but if you're getting into snow blowing, uh, what are the things that people need to look out for uh, as far as equipment and anything um, that you recommend as best practice? <laughs> well, I would definitely recommend going with the inverted snowblower, um, not forgetting to take off any steel blades that you have if the customers are requesting this solely to not damage interlock. Um, Otherwise, uh, definitely try to get that root density up. I mean, our first year, our town's pretty spaced out. We were doing 70 customers all across town. I don't know how wide our town is, but probably 25 kilometers if I had to, to wager a guess. Now we have 11 tractors just dedicated to certain areas and they can do about 100 driveways in their own area without having to traverse all across town. So. I'd say that would be the, the major thing and just kind of look at, I don't know, it doesn't have to be us, but um, certain companies' offerings. It seems like every single company that is doing the tractor snowblowing um, is kind of the first people to implement going twice per storm. So not having to, um, you know, plan around people's cars and stuff like that. You just go once and then go back either later that night or the next day and um, not having to interact with the customers, not that we don't like to do that, but you know, it just takes out that step of them having to move their car and, and stuff like that. Um, this year we implemented the uh, live GPS tracking. So the customers actually have access to our tractor's GPS. And uh, I mean, there's been some hiccups with that as well, but I think that's another thing that people can look into just so that the customers aren't calling, asking exactly where you are. They can just pop into the GPS and it kind of takes a little bit of uh, the work away from the staff. And I, I totally forgot that you did that. Uh, is there a certain product for live GPS you recommend? <laughs> we just kind of uh, made the, the GPS that we were already using available uh, to our customers. Uh, I'm sure there's a better option available, but it was already installed. Uh, we already knew how to use it. So essentially, we just uh, set up a subfleet on Rhino fleet tracking. And the customers can just log in, view where all the tractors are on a map, or they can click into their individual tractor and kind of see where it is. So I, I believe there's other companies that do it that specifically can have a live map on a website. We weren't able to integrate our solution into our website, but I mean, the, the customers can download the Rhino fleet tracking app or the, the website and, and view it on there. So 
Wow, I, I love it. And, that, and that's uh, complete transparency. You can hear me with my headphones, correct? Yeah, yeah. Okay, perfect. I'm just trying to get some of that feedback. Uh, but, you know, that that's unbelievable. Complete transparency, letting the consumer know where you're at, where those trucks are at. Uh, and, and, and I'm guessing kind of taking some of that risk in that question of, can I trust a contractor to do this? You, you've alleviated that problem and somewhat automated and put it in the customer's hands to do that. So um, absolutely amazing stuff you're doing up there in Sudbury. Um, if any of you guys and girls in the States are watching, this guy is just absolutely killing it up there. I think there's some key takeaways, whether it's lawn care or snow removal or just general customer service, trying to, to interact and allow people to um, have belief in contractors. Just a lot of times I think people don't have a general belief in themselves to so hire a contractor. And once they hire us, sometimes they don't have faith in us. Um, so the more things we can do to take the risk out of the equation and limit the friction, the better. Um, closing thoughts, Dylan. I, I know obviously you don't have a service or a pitch. I obviously uh, offer them any way to connect you if possible. But um, you know, do you have any closing thoughts, recommendations as far as the, the summer work, or the winter work, um, or overall in business, what you've seen here in obviously the last nine or 10 years of, of scaling and growing a pretty successful business up in Sudbury? Thanks, man. Um, with regards to the robotic lawn mowing, I, I would say, uh, you know, dip your, dip your toe in the water. You might as well give it a try. You don't want to be looking back five, 10 years from now, wondering, you know, I uh, should have should have got on that robotic lawn mowing train a little bit earlier, and you know now your lawn mowing business is is um, hurt because of it, right? So I, I think there's pretty limited risk in buying or financing or putting on your line of credit one robotic lawn mower, testing the waters, whether it's at your house or um, you know a customer's house that's willing to kind of be the guinea pig if you don't have any in your market. Um, and then with the tractor snow blowing, I think if anybody's doing residential uh, plowing, you know, you don't need to adopt our pricing and our model exactly. But I, I think you'll be extremely, extremely surprised at the demand for um, snow blowing versus plowing. So, I mean, if you're uh, if you're in the residential plowing market, I would definitely suggest um, giving this a go. And the, the margins are there and the demand is it's certainly there. So. Yeah, I know in the upstate New York market where I'm at, uh, we've got one gentleman uh, that does one tractor. It's a smaller tractor, but a little bit smaller than what you guys are running. Um, but I mean, he booked up immediately. So I, I think that that's the way it's going. I know uh, at least what I've seen in our market, plow damage bars to turf uh, is significantly less. You don't have those banks. Um, so I, I think that that definitely, I think, is a shift in technology where things are going in, in the market. I mean, uh, if we had, you know, tractors on all – 600 driveways that we're doing here in upstate New York and Rochester, uh, that would be a huge differentiator. So, uh, you know, Dylan, I know you've got some press time here. I really appreciate you coming out. Um, if anybody else has questions for Dylan, drop them live while we're here or uh, drop them. We're both going to keep an eye on the recorded version of this. And brother, I appreciate it. It's on north of the board, everything you did for Simple Growth, Service Autopilot. Um, really, really like love working with you and uh, your team there. Um, and hopefully we got to get you out to SA5 next year, actually SA6 in Dallas, Texas. I know uh, you didn't make it this year, but I'm, I'm, I definitely owe you a couple beers at the bar next time. Uh, uh, we'll meet person. Awesome. Right, brother, I, I appreciate it. Uh, we've got SA Weekly Talk Show coming up uh, next week after the holiday break. Um, we got Marcus Sheridan, the sales line. I was one of the keynote closings at SA5 coming up here in the next few weeks. So if you haven't checked out his book, um, they ask and uh, you tell, I believe the name of it is, but it's Marcus Sheridan uh, at the sales line. He's going to be on the SA Weekly Talk Show here in the next few weeks. Um, and a couple other all-star big hitters coming through. So um, until next week, SA Weekly Talk Show. Dylan, want to thank you again. Mike Callahan, we'll see you next week. Thanks, If you like this show, you might want to check out our resources at www.startsimplegrowth.com.
While you're there, enter to win an Estimator chatbot. Mike Callahan is available for private coaching.